Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickspin with my tag team partner, Matt Story, and we have another game to talk about. It's been a little while. It has, yeah. It's, uh, that bye week always throws off the routine. You get used to playing every week and having that rhythm, and uh, you know it's good to get a break, obviously, for the team, but as a fan, kind of miss it. Yeah, it's, it's not the same when there's not an ASU game on Saturday, or at least during the week. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it definitely felt weird on Saturday to like, I didn't know how to set my schedule. My schedule's always in the fall. It's based around ASU and the Packers. And with no ASU, it's like, I, when, when do I have to be home? It's like, I don't have a curfew. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was a little different. Yeah. And then, and then that early in the week, like there wasn't a game. So it's kind of like, it takes a while to get back into it, but here we are. We got uh, top, uh, you know, five or 10 team in the country coming into town. So it's, Back in action now. Yeah, and the the Huskies are good. You know, this is... You talked about how it's good for selling tickets, but this is not a game that I expect us to win at Sun Devil Stadium, Uh, so it would almost be better if we could have traded this out (laughs) for a road game somewhere down the line. Yeah, 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 I agree. I mean, I've kind of been thinking that since the, you know, start of the year and even really, you know, looking ahead to the year that... This, you know, the four-game stretch from Stanford to USC, as, as you know, someone living in Tempe who gets to go to the games, I'm glad that Washington and USC are coming here. But as a fan of ASU and hoping for more wins, would have been okay if we just played these two on the road and played uh, Stanford and Utah at home. Would have felt a little bit better about our chances to get two of them than none of them, which is what I predicted preseason and what I'm still predicting right now. So one of the things that happens when you have a buy is it gives your coaching staff a chance to reassess and try to reconfigure things so that you can be competitive for the rest of the season, but especially in the immediate upcoming game. So in that sense, this probably gives us our best chance as a team to knock off Washington. We're coming off a buy. We're playing at home. It's the blackout game. Um, right. Which I don't know if you saw the minor – Twitter storm, uh, some ASU student, uh, after in response to the football program posting a thing about how it was the blackout game, tweeted that we were dressing for our own funeral. And, <laughs> and then, Jordan, no, then Jordan Simone, former ASU safety, tweeted at that student, you should transfer. No, so. <laughs> no I didn't. Scott, God loves social media, right? That's just, it's why it exists for things like this. Um, no, I hadn't seen that. Uh, you know, the black jerseys, people like them. Uh, you and I have discussed this. I much get into the, I don't, I don't get that worked up about them either way. I don't love them. Um, I don't hate them either. Uh, you know, I know I'm okay with the Washington game being a, a game to wear a different jersey. Um, you know, and hey, you're right. Uh, coming off the bye, at home, I mean, it, you know, there's certain elements of it that tell you, you know, it, it's a game that you could steal. But, uh, you know, what I've seen so far from Washington, and we talked about this a little bit last time, they haven't played many people, you know, many good teams yet, but they sure have looked good against the teams they played. Um, so I don't, I don't see them as being all that vulnerable. Uh, yeah, I, I do not see them being vulnerable at all. Um, they've got one of the many – NFL caliber quarterbacks in the conference with Browning. Uh, he's 
you know, he's the least fanfare of probably the four behind Rosen, the mercurial talent, uh, yeah. Darnold, the golden boy at USC, and Falk, who's just quietly or not so quietly setting every Pac-12 passing record on right. the Right, right. Yeah, I mean, Browning to me feels like a guy who's probably a really good college quarterback and maybe an NFL backup type. Um, I, I mentioned this name, and, you know, he's going to be a starter this week, but Kevin Hogan is, to me, a comparable feel. Really good in college. Is he a, a first-round draft pick type of guy? I could doubt it. He's not real big. He's not got the big arm. He's not a great athlete, necessarily. I mean, he's good. But, he, you know, nothing about him really, like, jumps off the table at you, except for the fact that he wins a lot of games, and he's a great, you know, captain for this offense. And, uh, you know, they made the playoff last year, and the, the road is certainly uh, – clear for them to do it again if they continue to play as well as they have yeah so far this year browning has completed over 70 percent of his passes he's just shy of 1500 yards he's got 14 touchdowns you know he's good uh, you know whether oh, yeah. or not he's an nfl quarterback aside he's right he's very good and chris peterson's system is pretty perfect for him he protects the ball it well is. You know, he does everything that you would want him to do. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, he uh, when he was a true freshman, I remember hearing the comparisons, and they're not easy ones to make because of Chris Peterson to Kellen Moore. And, and I think that's, you know, probably in ways a fair comparison, maybe a little bit more skilled than Kellen Moore. Uh, but, you know, Moore was uh, not, not the biggest guy, not the strongest arm, not the fastest guy, but, you know, I think he set the NCAA record for most wins. Um, Browning's probably not going to do that, but he's going to, you know, probably if he, if he come back next year, he's going to finish his career with probably, uh, you know, 40 plus wins as a starter, which would be pretty impressive. He's joined in the backfield by Miles Gaskin, another junior, uh, Gaskin is not on the same level so far this year as, uh, Penny or, or Love yeah. as far as running backs we've seen, but yeah, he's yeah, got over, be, you know, Heisman, Kappa running backs, both of them, maybe. Yeah, but he's, uh, you know, but Gaskin's got eight touchdowns. He's got over 550 yards on the season. It's, you know, it, it's a more manageable task, you would think, but still not going to be easy for the Sun Devils. No, no, no. I mean, Washington has got off to a slow start at running the ball. I know after the first two or three weeks, that was a big concern. Their running game wasn't very productive. It's It's gotten better, I think, the last few weeks. And they've gotten better. You know, they, they struggled a bit against Rutgers the first week. Um, you know, it took them in, into the fourth quarter to really put that game away. Or, you know, Rutgers isn't any better than they were last year, so that was a little bit alarming. Um, but, yeah, so far in the Pac-12 slate, they've, uh, they've handled their business with, with relative ease. Um, you know, at Colorado, not as impressive of a win as it felt at the time, but still went there and won by, you know, four touchdowns. Uh, beat up Cal, a team that you know had had at least played fairly well and, and competitive the first five weeks. Um, you know, made made it tough on SC, did not make it tough on Washington. So they have they have looked good. And you know, all you do, I think you said it last week, all you can do is beat the people in front of you that you're playing, and they have done that with ease so far in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, Doug Haller and Jeff Metcalf on their preview kept saying this felt a little bit like the Oregon game. I would disagree. Uh, I felt Oregon was a bit vulnerable, hadn't really proven much. I don't they feel the same way about this Washington team. 
No, I mean, it, it's definitely not the same because Oregon was barely in the top 25. That, right. that Oregon team felt like when we had that great start to the year a few years ago and we wound up ranked mm-hmm. and then it all fell apart. Yeah. It's like, oh. Or, or last year. Or, true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we were uh, number 24 in the country after week six, I believe, and, and then we didn't win again. Uh, so, yeah, it did. I mean, Oregon is a solid team. But Oregon doesn't have a you know a pedigree of of team you know a core of a team that went to the college football playoff and won the Pac-12 last year, um, and you know Oregon's only noteworthy win was beating Nebraska, which then we saw well is that really I mean they struggled to beat Nebraska we saw Nebraska is really not that good, Washington hasn't really struggled to beat anybody since week one, and that one I kind of you know I don't get a lot of attention to week one results it's you know it's the first time you play uh, it's on the road. Yeah, that that didn't, you know, it's not something that is a red flag to me because it hasn't continued. If we're still seeing results like that, it'd be different, but we're not. They're they're uh, beating people up. And on the flip side, uh, the Huskies' defense is solid, and it's just <sighs> maybe better than solid. Yeah, I mean they uh, again, you you know, you have to factor in they haven't played very many good opponents, but they, you know, I believe they've uh, their three Pac-12 games, they've only had one touchdown each. 10 points, 7 points, 7 points, I think, from, from looking at it. So, yeah, they, they are good. And they lost, uh, you know, three starters in the secondary, the second round of the draft, and has hurt them so far. Oh, no. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I'm curious to see what happens. I, I don't know. The, the thing is, I, I say, like, they haven't played anybody yet, but whoever's next on their schedule is looking at will probably be saying the same thing after they play us. We're, we're not yes. anybody either. No, and and I believe after this week they have a bye, and then UCLA, you know. So I mean, the the road is not really too tough for them to get to November undefeated, and then it gets tougher. Uh, I think we talked about this last time. In November they play uh, in some order, um, you know, Utah, Stanford, Washington State, and I can't remember the team. Um, blanking on the other team, Oregon, Oregon. So, so yeah, we'll you know, we'll get a better read on them in November because they're gonna. They're going to play some better teams, but yeah, I mean, at this point, they're just kind of cruising along, you know, barring a misstep. They're going to go into November eight and zero, and everything's going to be laid out there for them to get to the playoff again. Well, let's not beat around the bush anymore. I, I'm going to go ahead and make my prediction here at Washington thirty four, ASU twenty even. I don't know if that's yeah, that, a, I don't know that's, if that's a missed extra point or two field goals, but twenty even. It's not too far. I I think I said it offhand to somebody last weekend, and it feels feels kind of right. I'm going to go thirty five fourteen. Uh, you know, I I don't necessarily feel like it'll be a game that's you know uh, fifty nine to ten or something like that. Um, but I just don't know if we can score enough to even really keep it close. Uh, you know, because their defense is good and their offense is just it's. It's kind of uh, boring good. You know, it, it may not be. They have Dante Pettis, who's really good. And, you know, a, an interesting factor in this game will be the special teams because they're, you know, he's already got three punt return touchdowns, and we know our problems on special teams in the first five weeks. Uh, so that's something to, you know, keep an eye out for. Um, they're not an offense that, you know, runs up uh, 50, 60 points, but they're pretty good offensively. And I, I just, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I don't see it being all that close. Yeah, um, it it could be one of those ones where 
It's a it's a nine forty five Eastern time kickoff, and Washington will not have many people watching this game nationally. So yeah, it, as long as they make sure that the final box score doesn't look like it was competitive, that's really I think all they're looking for this week. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, and bad news for you, it's nine forty five your time. Oh, no, it's ten forty five Eastern. Well, my point then goes double that they just need to make the box score look good. And yeah, yeah. The, you know, if ASU is down one. three scores at the end of the third, I'm not going to see the fourth. I'm just going to call it. Right no, now. no. I mean, yeah, it's uh, you know, we'll see. Obviously, we've been pretty competitive at home for the most part under Graham. There are a couple exceptions to that. The you know the UCLA game in 2014 and the USC game in 2015 were blowouts. Um, aside from that, our home performances have been pretty good. Even last year, when things fell apart for us in the second half, we were, you know, we had a chance to beat Washington state, uh, with a, you know, third string quarterback and all the struggles we were going through. And we had a, you know, we were in the Utah game into the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, there haven't been a lot of instances of just getting totally outclassed at home. There have been unfortunately too many on the road. Uh, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, can we keep it interesting? Can we make them sweat a little bit? They, they haven't had to. And, and that's always the thing you hope with a team like this is get it to the fourth quarter within a four and, and just make them a little nervous and see how they respond. But that's a, a tough hill to climb, I think. Matt, what's your game plan since you're going to the game? What, as a fan, what are you going to try to watch as far as things that might show ASU's got a chance early? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mean, you know, whenever you're the underdog, you love to see, like, an early turnover, um, you know, a, a good offensive opening possession. You like to get out to a good start. I mean, it's kind of the recipe for, for pulling an upset. The Oregon game was, was kind of this recipe. We got it to a good start. We forced a three and out. They shank a punt, went down and score, and, and, you know, it's early. Obviously, the game's not decided at that point, but just gives you some confidence. Um you know, I'm very, I'm curious. Uh, there's some talk, you know, it seems more than talk that there's going to be some defensive personnel changes. Uh, it appears, you know, moving some things around on the D line, playing some different guys in the secondary. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, how that goes and what shakes out from that. You know, again, the defense isn't going to all of a sudden turn into a dominant group, but can you get some better production from guys, put them in better spots? Or does our lack of depth continue to be exposed by, you know, are we just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, as they say? Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you on the idea of for any chance of an upset or even to keep it competitive, we need to look good early. And yes. I don't know if that is going to involve a onside kick, fake punt, so, some move, or if we can just create it naturally. But yeah. you need, they need to come out in rhythm to start. And then we need to just continue to build on that. Because Washington's defense, you know, I said solid, and you correctly put yeah. it out better than solid. If they've got more than a one-score separation, that's, right. that's pretty much it. Well, and, and it gets into the team that we are, too, where, you know, we've we've had a lot of success with the downfield passing game, but we're not a, an offense that's really built to throw it, you know, 40-some times and come from behind. We're, we're an offense that when it's humming, 
you know, and we've seen it hum a little bit at times this year, is when the running game's effective and, and then we're hitting the big plays. But we're doing that because we're able to run the ball okay. We're able, you know, if we get behind and have to throw it, you know, all three downs, that really doesn't play into our strengths because Manny Wilkins probably isn't that type of quarterback. Um, you know, we may have the receivers to do it, but we probably don't have the offensive line to do it. That's the other thing. Even if Manny Wilkins is that type of quarterback, you know, can we protect well enough to throw it 40, 45 times? I kind of doubt it. No, it, it seems like if we're in that position, the way the comeback would happen is with the screen game and yeah. and draws and things like that. Yeah. That just, okay, you're going to come charging up the field. Let's try to use yes. that to our advantage and maybe get our linemen on smaller second layer guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a game that has to have, a, a, you know, whenever you're the decided underdog, you have to have a few things break your way. You have to have a turnover or two. You can't have turnovers by your own team, probably. Um, you have to have a big play or two. Maybe, as you said, you know, an onside kick like against Oregon. Uh, you know, a special teams, you know, return touchdown. But that's a concept that seems real foreign because we haven't had very many in the last few years. But, you know, something like that and a few things like that to, to break your way and, and just, you know, then try to, you know, it's kind of a kind of basketball um, analogy, but kind of try to shorten the game. You know, limit possessions. Um, that's something that this year's team has done differently than past Graham teams. Time of possession seems to matter a little bit more to this offense than it does in past offenses. And that's a big thing. You know, like keep them on the sideline. Keep Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin and Dante Pettis on the sideline with a, you know, seven or eight minute drive. Those, those things will go a long ways towards trying to pull off an upset. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is a – it's college football, but it's apropos of nothing because it's early. Um, yeah. ESPN's Heisman, internal Heisman straw polling that they do, has Barkley one and Love two, but Love has right. nearly double the yardage of Barkley. And I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not being, you know. No, I know. This, yeah. It, it, it's literally yeah. like six fifty to twelve ninety. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it. I think that goes into two things. One is Penn State six and zero and ranked number three in the country, and Stanford is four and two and ranks you know I think in the barely in the top twenty five now. And the other thing, let's be honest, is um, you know the difference between being both a preseason favorite, so you're on the radar, and playing in the Big Ten compared to the Pac twelve. Your games are more exposed. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Chris Peterson has been driving the train the last you know week or so. But it's, you know, there's nothing we can really do about it. It's a fact of life that teams on the West Coast are going to play more late games and we're not going to see them as much. Because if they put the games at noon, people aren't going to watch them because they're going to be watching the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah. I, I so just... there's really, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's interesting. I mean, it can, can you know, I think we talked about it a little bit last time. I think Bryce Love could win the Heisman, but they're going to probably need to win out maybe they could lose one more game, uh, you know, and he's going to need to have monster performances in November against Washington state and Washington. Those are games that will give him a chance to, to take that leap up in everyone's, you know, consciousness that people, people that don't watch the PAC 12 regularly. I don't think he will double the yardage of Barkley for the season. And I, and I don't think that if a running back wins the Heisman trophy and it's not him, that he will have double that running backs yardage. 
But no. it would be interesting to see if he is significantly ahead of the next closest running back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, barring injury, he's likely going to clear 2,000 yards without breaking a sweat. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's at, what, 1,200-something now? Yeah. Halfway into the year. So, I mean, a, a second half that is two-thirds as good as his first half, and he gets to 2,000 yards. Um, you know, so, I mean, he's he's a pretty good chance to get there you know, as long as he doesn't get hurt, like I said. You know, um, but, you know, that weird thing about college football, 2,000 yards is like this magic number in the NFL. In college football, they play four less games, and yet we have a 2,000-yard back almost every year. I mean, sometimes multiple um, because of the way the game is played. You know, they just feed these guys, and it's just run, run, run. And, uh, you know, it's not a rare thing. So the number doesn't really jump off the page like maybe it should. Now, if he gets to 2,500 yards, maybe that jumps off the page and he ends up winning the Heisman. Um, you know, that might be the, the number he needs to reach unless Stanford, you know, ends up going 10-2 and two and win fourth, and then all of a sudden things change. You know, if they beat Washington and Washington in November, then the, you know, the balance of things feels differently. Yeah, I just – it's one of those things where – you know, we're getting to the point now where it's not just a small sample size anymore. It's not being on pace to rush for right. 2,500 yards after the first game. He's halfway through his right. season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's been great. And, and uh, you know, it's it's very remarkable in some ways they lose it. You know, transcendent running back, you know, McCaffrey, top 10 pick, you know, Heisman runner-up a couple of years ago. And it's like they haven't missed a beat in that spot, at least. You know, they've got just another one. And that's that's been the, you know, impressive thing about Stanford the last, you know, eight to ten years is that, you know, they have good players at a certain spot, and then those guys move on, and they just end up with more good players. I mean, it is an impressive thing about that program that they, you know, one, one big-time talent leaving doesn't really slow them down all much. Well, and what Shaw – has uh, put together is basically just a a, a system. It's plug and play. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. this is what we do. No one else does it. And we will get guys who can do these things. We have tight ends Agreed. who were playing offensive guard in high school. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're tight ends are a, a factory. I mean, you know, we, we were looking, I, I think, well, I don't know if it was you I was talking to or somebody else that, you know, when ASU played Stanford in 2010, they had three NFL tight ends on that roster. I mean, that's, you know, God, when's the last time we had one NFL tight end? It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had three. And, and they've had a couple since then. And they probably got a couple on the roster right now. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and their linemen have been really good. They've had, a, you know, a few picked in the first round. David DeCastro, Andrews Pete come to mind right off the bat. Um, you know, they've got a true freshman that's playing left tackle and, and looks like one of the best freshmen in the country. Uh, you know, yeah, they, they've got a way of doing things that's different than most teams. Most teams are all about the aerial game, hurry up, uh, you know, uh, spread it out, throw it, run it, you know, get 100 plays off. And they, they kind of go against the grain and it works for them. They, you know, they continue to do pretty well. It's it's amazing the factory that Harbaugh built and that Shaw has operated. Yeah, it really is. It is. I mean, considering that we go back, I mean, I, you know, I remember our days in college when Stanford was terrible. Like that was that was a layup game for us when we didn't have 
we didn't always have very good teams those years. I mean, I remember 06 was kind of a disastrous season for us. And Stanford was homecoming, and we beat him up, and we're like, you know, well, thank God we played Stanford. We needed a win. Uh, you know, and, and in the span of about two, three years after that, they were a, you know, top flight team. They haven't left that. You know, they continue to, to do well, and I don't know how good they are this year. I'm not sure if they can get past Washington or Washington State, but they're still pretty good. Even, even a year where maybe they're down, they end up winning eight or nine games. Yeah. If only. If only we could be a program that was down. At exactly. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, it, it gives you perspective when, you know, what was it, two years ago, I believe, um, or maybe three, you know, they had what was considered a down year. It was three, year, three years ago, Hogan's junior year. And I think they ended up going nine and four. Like, that's not, not so bad. Yeah, plenty of, plenty of teams in the conference, including ours, would make yeah. that trade. yeah. And then the next year they, you know, they win the Pac-12 and go to the Rose Bowl. And, you know, I mean, like, it, their 10 years last too long. And all of a sudden they're right, right back at the top. Well, we'll be back over the weekend. We'll talk about the Washington game. We will do a little NBA talk because that's about to happen. And people need to know that we both think the Warriors are the odds-on favorite because that's what everyone thinks. Um, right. Yeah. But there's uh, but there's some more there's some more depth behind that, and we'll get into it. But uh, yes. until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.